I've titled the sermon this morning, Mother Tongue. Now, I'm not a linguist or a philologist, but I resonate with what author and writer Amy Tan says. I'm someone who has always loved language. I'm fascinated by language and daily life. I spend a great deal of time thinking about the power of language, the way it can evoke an emotion, a visual image, a complex idea, or a simple truth. Language is a tool of my trade, and I use them all, all the Englishes I grew up with. Amy Tan writes this in her beautiful essay titled Mother Tongue. I also grew up with these many Englishes. In 1979, about a year after I was born in Seoul, South Korea, my parents immigrated to the U.S. Growing up, I remember the first few exchanges my parents had with what they would call Americans, i.e. mostly white people. And I saw the struggle on their faces. These would often be short conversations at the grocery store with the cashier, maybe um, attempts with... Uh, these folks to, to say something beyond hello and how are you or I'm fine. Thank you. My parents kept trying with the people around them despite encountering impatience and exasperation. They would gesture with their hands. They would pull out their dictionaries and eventually they would have me translate for them. They were determined to embed themselves in this country. They wanted to make a life here, which meant that they were also super intent on their learning English, but my also learning English for school, for communication, but for also for them. I needed to learn proper English. In other words, I needed to learn proper English to be American, to be read, to be seen as a citizen, as a legitimate lawful person in the U.S., one of you, one of us, which equaled and still sadly means today to be seen and known and received and engaged as a human being. I needed to forego my mother tongue, to forget my mother's tongue. So after years of regret for skipping Hangul Hakkyo, which is a Korean language school, usually found in churches, I took Korean language courses as a grad student and finished and passed third year Korean for my doctoral program because I was thinking that I could use it as a potential research language, but mostly as an excuse to watch a lot of Korean drama. I've discovered that learning a language is a little like entering a hornet's nest. Um, the chaotic sound of that nest is your continuous mental state conjugation and participles and tenses and forms. If you have spent any time learning a language, you understand what I'm describing here. But there were so many moments in the middle of learning certain phrases and expressions that were above that sort of persistent din of the frenetic collision of grammatical structures. I would hear my mother's voice saying those same words with a particular kind of affect and emotion. I could see her face and her hand gestures. And each time it would be a moment of revelation. Oh, that's what she means. That's what that feels like. I would remember my mother's tongue. 
Now, I always talk about my father, how how he was the one who encouraged me to go to seminary. He was the one that got the education. We first got here when we first got here in this country, the one that he wanted. He was the one that um, I thought I was the most like. But it was my mother who taught me the English alphabet before I started kindergarten. I remember sitting at the kitchen table with her. She was the one that taught me the Korean words for food. She taught me language, how we speak through words. Yes, for sure. But how we also speak through serving and caring and cooking too. So mother tongue, it's not just the language which a person has grown up speaking from early childhood. It's not just about the words or the grammatical structures or the language rules. It's the people, it's the emotions, the bodies, the perspectives, the smells. Yes, language can smell. The stories, it's the way we love. It's what created the universe. It is what knit us together in our mother's wombs. We are made by this language of love. We are shaped and sustained by this language of love. But we all learn very quickly in language, in life, that love isn't content to leave us where we are as individuals or as a community. It will grow us. And so last week, the lectionary text gave us the familiar passages where Jesus says, I am the true vine. Gave us images of branches, of leaves, of fruit, of growing, of being entangled and connected, being pulled one way or another, pulling each other, pulling each other upward and outward. Love engrafts us to one another spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, making us then soil and ground and space to impact each other. And so even our bodies can be the vehicle in which God enacts this grace, this healing and wholeness in our lives. And so whenever I talk bodies in the Bible, I go to women and I go to the hemorrhaging woman. Even though it's not found in John, the synoptics record various versions of her story. And so the gospels tell us that this woman suffered for 12 years from continuous blood loss, an ailment that no clear medical diagnosis could explain um, according to the experts at that time. And one gospel even tells us though, that one day she sees Jesus and in him, she sees her healing and liberation. She says, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. She speaks this out loud. She carefully makes her way and lets her fingers brush the edge of his cloak. And the scriptures tell us immediately her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. I've read this passage so many times and thought, oh my goodness, Jesus just had so much power. It seeped into his clothes. And then I often wondered, how did, how did the disciples feel watching some of this unfold when Jesus said, I felt power go out of my body? How did that feel to Jesus? In other words, my impulse was always to immediately turn away from this woman and her story, to push her to the margins of history, of narrative, of this moment. This outsider woman, this impure woman, this strange and foreign woman spoke and showed us how to name the possibility of wholeness by and in Jesus. If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. 
And so Jesus even nudges our eyes back to her by seeing her and naming her and speaking the promise of freedom to her. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. How often do we erase and forget our women, our mothers from history when they were and are doing the work of caring, of feeding, of resistance, of survival and surviving, of speaking and loving and growing all along? I realize a tiny bit more every day that truly no one has a monopoly on our stories, on history, on truth, which also means. No one has a monopoly on the best or right way to give language to that truth about who we are, what we're doing here. What's the point of it all? And so one thing I've come to realize is that what is more truthful, what is more consistent with who God is as a God of love is not that we are meant to be one thing or even two things or unchanging things like this coherent and unified and singular system of wants and consistent desires and steady ambitions. You can just look at my own college experience and see the example of how many times I changed my major. We are all instead an amalgamation of stories and dreams of histories and genetics easily affected by lunar cycles, barometric pressure and sunshine. Or as one scientist has said, we're made of stardust, and each of us is a complicated mass of ancestors and ideologies and cultures and times and periods. And sometimes even the language we're given isn't enough. Certainly one language isn't enough to describe or to explain the whole universe that we make up in each of our own bodies. And like most systems and rules, languages were meant to be broken. We make and remake our stories. And why? Mother tongue, then again, is not a singularity, but is something meant to point us to the beautiful multiplicity and complexity of our lives. And so I'll end this morning with you, not with a theological treatise or from a dead white European scholar or uh, teacher, their words, not with any other sort of story or narrative, but the kind of typical arc that is meant to perfectly illustrate everything I said this morning, um, not with a proper sort of benediction or other traditional liturgical form, but with my own words, my own body, my own tongue, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Mother tongue, mother's tongue, as in mother, as in creator, as in womb, as in world, as in complicated, as in soft and sharp, her tongue, like when she would lick her thumb to wipe off the smudge of dirt off my face, like when she would take a spoonful of a little of the stew into her mouth to make sure the taste was right, like when she would use words that sounded like the crack of a wooden ruler across my hands, like when she would look this way and that way, her tongue in her mouth following her eyes as she tried to decide, like when she would stand in the church choir, mouth open wide, tongue working hard to shape the sounds. The song she would sing in Korean in her mother tongue as in native language, as as in one's first language, in utero language, the noise of words and laughter, the sounds that knit us together, as in music, the roots that put you in a particular soil 
enfleshes you, enfolds you, places you, surrounds you with the possibility of discovering a whole universe through the building blocks of language. Language. As in language rules, language systems, language containers, boxes, categories, because language defines, language refines, but language disciplines, language dictates, language makes us into canvases for the nation state language alienates. When we came to this country, we were aliens. We were perpetually aliens, people not only from a different shore, but from a different planet, because not only are we not seen by you, our mother tongue cannot be heard by you, understood by you, embraced by you, but it is my mother tongue. The tongue of my mother, my grandmothers, my aunts, my sisters, all my mothers, from Yu Guansun to Ida B. Wells, to Yuri Kochiyama, to Joan of Arc, to Maya Angelou, to all the women who struggle, who fight, who speak, who sing, who resist, who love, who live. And this is the truth. We are created in the image of one who speaks to us in a mother tongue of love, of revelation, of joy, the one who is called I am who I am. And somehow strangely and miraculously calls us to that same work of creation, of imagining, of dreaming, of redeeming, of calling, of sanctifying, of living in this world. Shaping, breaking, making. As Mother Toni Morrison said, we die. That may be the meaning of life. But we do language. And that may be the measure of our lives. In the name of God, the creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen.